my brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ our Lord. This homily has been an evolving homily. I had something prepared for last night and it didn't come out the way I thought it would come out. It's amazing how that works. And then this morning it was completely different though it had some aspects. So I'm not sure what you're going to get tonight. Sometimes the Holy Spirit's going to do what the Holy Spirit's going to do despite my trying. This is the Sunday of the myrrh bearers. And this is the last Sunday that we're going to hear a gospel of the resurrection during a divine liturgy. From here on out, we're going to only hear of our Lord's, the, the, the ministry our Lord does in, uh, throughout his, his three years of ministry at the divine liturgy. And we will have to come to Sunday matins to hear of the resurrection. Myrrh was a, a very important, um, important oil used for many things. Uh, but it, it was a sign of dignity and, and love that the myrrh bearers brought to, to Jesus to anoint his body. This whole idea of anointing is very ancient. The pagans uh, used it a lot. For the pagans, they would use oils, uh, aromatic oils, you know, made of olive oil and, and myrrh oil and other things to, to uh, venerate their gods. They would have stone or wooden gods, and, and then they would pour oil on it as a form of worship. We see a remnants of this with Jacob. When Jacob was fleeing Laban, his father-in-law, and Laban caught up to him, uh, they made a pact that, because one, both sides were afraid, the other would come and attack them. So they built this pillar of stones and saying, this is the marker, we won't cross over. And they poured oil over the stones. But oil took a real special meaning when Moses came about, when he came and, and brought the, the law to the people and told them how God wanted the tent of meeting. He gave them specific designs on how the, the tent was supposed to be built and all the appointments were to be set up and created. Then he told God told them about an anointing oil. And he told them exactly how it was to be made. How it was supposed to have uh, so much myrrh oil and so much olive oil and so much cassia and so much cinnamon and other things. And it was prepared in a certain way. Then God, through Moses, told the people that this is the amount of oil that you make at this time is the only oil you will ever make. You will never reproduce this oil again. They made the oil. Then God told them, all right, you are to anoint all the appointments in the, in the meeting tent. Everything. The walls, the curtains, the candlesticks, the, the table of offering for the showbread, the altar, the incense... Everything was to be anointed with this oil. And the anointing of this oil, which was the most was made it most holy, made everything else holy in itself. So much so that God told them, all right, now take Aaron and his sons. Dress Aaron in all the robes that I told you how to dress him in, what he was supposed to wear. Put the, the miter on his head and then pour him with oil. Anoint him with the anointing oil. This oil was a sign of God's presence and power. It's what made everything holy. To make holy is to separate, to set apart from what's ordinary. So the entire meeting tent of old 
in the temple of old was anointed in this, with this anointing oil. And God made it very clear that no outsiders to, were to be anointed with this anointing oil. Or they would be cut off. And we get this experience when a new church in the Byzantine church is, is consecrated. The bishop comes in and he sprinkles the walls with water. In essence, he baptizes the church. But then he puts um, chrism, the anointing oil, on all the walls of the church. And if you look at the prayers, everything can be anointed with this chrism, with this anointing oil. All the liturgical appointments, the fans, the cross, the candlesticks, the, the chalice sets, everything could be anointed. In other words, it was all to be set apart, to made holy, most holy. And by our approaching what was most holy, we become holy ourselves. Today we had a baptism of little Lucas. And when he we came into the church, he was baptized. And then we anointed him with the anointing oil. The seal of the gift of the Holy Spirit. It completed his baptism. It made him anointed one of God. It's interesting that one source says that after the, uh, the, the, the first temple was destroyed and they rebuilt the, the second temple, there was no more anointing oil, no more anointing. And it makes sense to me because you don't hear of any more anointing of any kings or anything after the destruction of the, second, of the first temple by the Babylonians. The same source would go on to say that it was Christ would be the anointed one who would come. It is Christ that makes everything holy now. And by our baptism and our chrismation with the anointing oil, we are made not just holy, but most holy. And so when a child or an adult is chrismated, we just don't anoint the forehead. We anoint the, 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 the eyes, the ears, the nose, the mouth, the shoulders, the chest, the hands, the feet. In other words, a complete immersion in this anointing oil. That that child is now set apart and is made holy for the life of God. John Chrysostom in one of his, in his, one of his orations would say, talking to the people of his day, how can you go to the theater and watch profane things and then come to the liturgy and watch the divine liturgy and all the, the sacramental actions that are taking place? How can you do it with the same eyes? How can you go and listen to profane things in your ears and then come to the liturgy and hear with the same ears divine things? How can we go out into the world and speak of malice and viciousness to others and judgmentalness and then come to the church and use these same lips to praise God? How can we use our hands for using it for profane things and then come to church and raise their hands to receive it in praise of God? He says, take notice of what you're partaking in the Eucharist. Who is it you're partaking of? How can foulness come out of your mouth when you're receiving divinity in that same mouth? We have been made holy, 
most holy and set apart. Let us allow our lives to reflect the holiness that we were baptized and chrismated into. When we go out into the world, everything we do because we're anointed becomes a holy action, should be a holy action. When we are at home taking care of children, whatever it is, that becomes holy work because we're holy. We bring that holiness into what we do. When we go into the workforce, whether it's the office or a construction site, wherever it is, we bring holiness to that place by the demeanor that we carry when we come into it. Because we're most holy. At least we're supposed to carry that. So every action we can do is a holy action, from the simplest to the most complex, because we are a holy people. We are a royal priesthood. Let us go out and live our lives in a manner that reflects who we are, reflects who we partake of, that we're not just holy, but because of our anointing in Christ, we're most holy.